research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power. We are going to talk about the full-on parental revolt that is occurring across the country. Concerned and angry parents across America are angry with the failures of our schools and the educational establishments. They're angry about lockdowns, the fact that schools seem incapable of dealing with the new surge of COVID cases. If your employers knew that you were more inefficient than the, than the DMV, you would be replaced in a heartbeat. I literally just finished a conference call because I'm having to multitask to be here to, to address you guys. You're a bunch of cowards hiding behind our children as an excuse for keeping schools closed. You think you're some sort of martyrs because of the decisions you're making when the statistics do not lie that the vast majority of the population is not at risk from this virus. The garbage workers who pick up my freaking trash risk their lives every day more than anyone in this school system. Figure it out or get off the podium because you know what? There are people like me and a line of other people out there who will gladly take your seat and figure it out. It's not a high bar. Raise the freaking bar. Now, this is a parent, by the way, that in his community is regarded as a relatively calm person. Obviously. Uh, but it's not just anger uh, about COVID and the lockdowns that are completely unnecessary. There's also revolt around education curriculum and the fact that teachers are teaching critical race theory and other radical ideas that are racist and divisive. This is audio clip number two. CRT is not an honest dialogue. It is a tactic that was used by Hitler and the Ku Klux Klan on slavery very many years ago to dumb down my ancestors so we could not think for ourselves. CRT is racist. It is abusive. It discriminates against one's color. Let me educate you. An honest dialogue does not impress, oppress. An honest dialogue does not implement hatred or injustice. It's to communicate with deceiving, without deceiving people. Today we don't need your agreement. We want action in the backbone for what we ask for today to ban CRT. We don't want your political advertisement to divide our children or belittle them. Think twice before you indoctrinate such racist theories. You cannot tell me what is or is not racist. Look at me. I had to come down here today to tell you to your face that we are coming together and we are strong. This will not be the last. Greet and meet respectfully. So I'm joined as always by Eric Eggers, uh, co-host and uh, author in, uh, by himself as well. Let me say that again. I'm joined as always by uh, with Eric Eggers, uh, who is a co-author and vice president of the Government Accountability Institute. And we have a special guest today, Jason Chaffetz, who is a distinguished fellow at the Government Accountability Institute and a former chairman of the House Oversight Committee and a contributor at Fox News. And we're going to be discussing how these two stories are related, not just that parents are angry. 
But the fact that so much in both of these areas, the lockdowns and the curriculum are being driven by teachers unions. Uh, Eric, great to have you with me as always. Thanks. Yeah. And I think one of the cool things that this new report from the Government Accountability Institute about teachers unions that Jason Chaffetz is going to talk about with us today is it speaks to how politically powerful they've become. Um, I think we all asked questions a couple of years ago. How come people have to go to work at grocery stores? How come they still come pick up your trash? But teachers are being told to stay home because union leadership has made it so that they don't have to go into the school. And then now you see teachers in Chicago and elsewhere where they're even defying democratic regimes saying right. we're not going to be going to work. And I think it speaks to how uh, powerful they feel like they are. And one of the things that this report does is explore just the various ways in which that power has been accumulated, assembled, and now exercised, unfortunately, to the detriment of America's school children. Well, we are joined uh, by Jason Chaffetz today to discuss the new report from the Government Accountability Institute called Teachers Unions from Academics to Activists. Jason, it's glad to ha- uh, have you here. You've been, of course, tracking the education uh, scene and establishment for decades have things really changed? Have the unions become more militant than they were in the past? Yeah, th- what this report really lays out, and it, it, I, the researchers at, at GAI are, are are just amazing and digging up and documenting and laying out the case in a very concise, professional way, and just you know, issue by issue, fact by fact. And and what's happened is these teachers' unions they've morphed. It, it's not about hey, let's fight for better pensions. Let's not let's not fight for better pay. What they've decided to do is fight for political causes that are on the radical left side of the equation. Um, and they're funded by these teacher union dues. They have millions of dollars at their disposal and they've turned into political machines. And it, it, you just start looking at the amount of money that they can throw into democratic campaigns, the issues that they, they take on uh, this, the, the, the way they've uh, lined their own pockets by creating these deals so that they enrich themselves. And you start to look at the American Federation of Teachers, you look at the National Education Association, you start to go down this list, and it becomes very, very clear that they have a political agenda, they're well-funded, they disguise things when they when they possibly can, but they have a political agenda to radically change this country. And parents and need to be aware of this. Because it's happening in their schools. It's not just, a, you know, New York City. It's happening from coast to coast. And I think people need to be aware of it. To Jason's point about it, um, sometimes they conceal things and sometimes they don't. One of the key takeaways for me from the report is one of the leaders of the National Education Association saying the quiet part out loud, as they say today. Lily Escalin Garcia is the head of the NEA, admitted that the, quote, core business of the NEA is actually no longer pensions and health insurance. But they say, no, it's actually social activism and political lobbying. And to Jason's point, they have more money now than almost anybody else when it comes to being able to be active political lobbyists. The amount of money they have raised and contributed in 2020 was up to $20 million. That's a 400% improvement from back in 2008. And how much of that money do you think goes to Democrats? 99%. (laughs) And I'm wondering who the other 1% is. Well, they make accidents. There's accidents every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, my theory is they're probably giving it to like independents like Angus King or somebody like that. Um, but to Eric's point, I think this is uh, this is really significant because when we think of teachers unions 40 years ago, Jason, there were all there were lots of stories, I think legitimate stories. 40 years ago, the teachers were not, you know, well paid. Um, they didn't have, uh, you know, great pensions. Um, a lot of that has changed. I mean, there's been a rapid increase in teacher salaries. The, the average teacher salary today is pretty much in line with the average income uh, of a family of four. Uh, so, you know, that gap doesn't list. So I wonder how much of this is the unions are trying to create demand for their services, right? If they can't go to teachers and say, join the union and pay our dues because you're not appreciated and paid enough, if they, it's harder to make that case, are they now going off on this political direction because, number one, they believe it, but number two, it's kind of a business for them. It, it, it justifies their existence. Uh, you're, you're totally right. It does justify their, their existence. And look, when you're out raising money and you can say, hey, it's for the kids, it's for the teachers, um, right. you know, that that's the... That's sort of the counterfeit argument that says, hey, you know, this is what it's for. But it's not really. You know, when they pass through, as we document, you know, $3 million to go to Black Lives Matter, that's not money that's going into teachers' pockets. That's money that's coming out of teachers' pockets because um, they would have had that. That's in part where their dues are are. are and I, one of the stats that really jumped out at me in, in, this, re, in this report is that in, in the year 2020, there were 227 separate mentions of elections contained in 14 different resolutions uh, that were published on the AFT website. So if you have any doubt about what they're really trying to do, they're trying to elect more radical progressive liberals uh, all up and down the ballot. That, that's what this, this organization has become. Yeah, and it's not just saying, hey, we want to elect Democrats, although that's certainly a healthy part of it. They were unabashed in their support for Joe Biden in 2020. In fact, the NFT and NEA or the AFT and NEA were able to leverage teachers and basically become foot soldiers for the Biden campaign and the teachers union employees to the you know, tens of thousands of people that became de facto campaign workers for the Biden administration. But when these resolutions talk about elections, it's not just candidates. They also advocate for liberal positions on elections. So they're advocating, they have language in their resolutions to talk about increasing automatic voter registration and expanding mail-in balloting, which of course was a very controversial topic and practice in the 2020 election itself. So it's basically you pick a liberal political position and you will find it referenced in the resolutions of the America's Teachers <laughs> Unions. That's how dramatic the transformation has been from being concerned about things that actually impact the classroom to now it's impacting campaigns. Yeah, Jason, let me just quote from the report itself uh, looking at this. A GAI's analysis of American Federation of Teacher Resolutions show that the most frequent topics discussed in the organization's resolutions in 2020 and 2021 were covid elections, race, violence, and criminal justice followed by education. Yeah, that was just sort of the, oh, hey, by the way, we should probably talk about education. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, th this is the fight. And, and they've, they not only have raised money, but if you, and maybe I'm jumping ahead here of where you wanted to discuss this, but this idea of community schools is um, is a buzzword and a phrase that they're trying to inject. Describe them for just just describe them to us, Jason. So, 
there have been community schools out there, but now they've taken this huge, huge jump and and basically saying they they went from uh, thirty million dollars in funding to more than four hundred million dollars per year that's coming from from the federal government. And there's a bill out there. It's called the Full Service Community Expansion Act of 2021, where they're seeking to fund it with three point six billion dollars over the next five years. And so they're lobbying governments. They're trying to partner with these union insiders uh, to provide wraparound services. And they're all saying, "Oh, this is." for the the common good and so what we need to do is have these common these 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 community schools and but what they're really doing and it's very scary is there's doing a lot of data mining they're do they're they're going into these students and they're they're watching them and they're collecting information that you wouldn't ever think we would be collecting from young children doing who knows what with this information and it it still has a veil of secrecy around it, but it's couched as this community school. And it and it sounds right. palatable, but when you really start to peel back the onion, you think, oh my goodness, they're pouring billions of dollars into this. They're data mining the kids and they can move their agenda forward in, in a more stealthy way. And that's the kind of thing that we need to look more into and not to raise conspiratorial alarms, but I would say this, it's not a secret that there's an alliance between big tech and Democratic political party and Democratic officials right. today, right? Um, it's not a secret that companies like Google and Facebook, as we have disclosed in the film we produced, The Creepy Line, have gotten in trouble for misusing and leveraging their access to K-12 data in their involvement in school systems previously. So I'm th- those are true things. So I think to Jason's point, the idea that we're going to, make as potentially federal policy that's something that American teachers unions are actively advocating for, something that gives more access or just creates more data, period, that somebody's going to do something with, you know, that's a very valuable thing. And so right. that's just going to be a byproduct that remains under explorers. That's one of the, I think, to Jason's point, it's well, very it, important that we talk it, about this in the report. It, it, at the bottom, so you go back up to 60,000 feet, what they've done is they're just getting further and further away from, hey, we're a teacher's union. We're trying to do their best yeah. to make sure that teachers are well compensated and loved in their communities. That is not what these organizations are doing at this point. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about the community schools, and I love it, by the way, they always pick these great, wonderful names. Who's opposed to a community school? Right. <laughs> uh, but the community school is basically saying we're going to provide not just educational services. We're going to provide counseling, psychological, medical, nutrition, uh, food. Uh, there's even elements for you know things related to clothing and basic needs. They want to kind of wrap themselves around every aspect of your child's life. And you know the thing that is crazy to me is uh, think about it, Jason. If you have an employee and your employee is doing pretty much a lousy job at their job and they come to you and say you know what i want to do my existing job but i also want you to put me uh, give me responsibility for all these other areas who would do that the point is the schools have not done a good job in a lot of cases in actually educating kids but now they're saying we want to provide nutritional services and everything else it's crazy They, they 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 get rewarded for the failures that they've had in trying to educate our kids well think about it in in washington dc where they have some of the worst test scores they're spending more than twenty two thousand dollars per student 
per student and they're not yeah. getting the results. And so they, they, what they were trying to do is get more money, billions of dollars in more money, but they're trying to take more control. And that's, that's ultimately what's, what's scary. But these are the types of things that they're advocating for. And so when people say, oh, donate and help out with your local, you know, uh, teachers union, it, it's not, that's not what it's about. They're not, again, going to the core mission of what they say they're going to do. All you have to do is go to those resolutions, go to, and that's what this report lays out. That, that, that's sort of the in-depth research that it takes a, an organization like, you know, the Government Accountability Institute to go dive in and, and expose. In terms of the charitable framing, they actually call it, quote, reimagining education. Right. So they wanted to use <laughs> the idea of a pandemic to say, okay, well, if we're going to kind of reset what education can, can be, and just to acknowledge a counterpoint for a moment because some people would say look there are populations that need extra help right one of the reasons why test scores might be lower in socioeconomic areas is because kids come to school to have and eaten breakfast so okay that's why we're going to feed them breakfast and hey by the way they're not going to have dinner you know they come from unstable homes so how can you expect them to, to do anything when so that's why the school's like okay well, we're going to create a safe space for you to be able to be but i think the point you raised peter is such a good one it's not like we're killing it in the education game right now. Right. You don't hear a lot of like community service stuff from the schools in Korea because they're too busy teaching algebra, right? <laughs> but what, a, what, what, what we're telling people to do is, hey, you need to be, I mean, the counseling and the, the counseling and the sort of psychological component to it is very real. That's one of the things that's in these resolutions. Teachers unions are telling teachers and creating policies that allow and empower teachers to have conversations about incredibly sensitive topics, including gender identity topics, including LGBT stuff with students, oftentimes without and even in spite of the parents' knowledge and participation. So that's, I think, one of the things that makes people concerned when you're saying, hey, we're going to have a lot more access to these students and a lot more access to some of this data is they haven't always proven to be good stewards of that time, access, and information. I remember reading uh, years ago a uh, academic, I forget his name, but he was a, a you know professor in the Midwest, radical, uh, didn't have a family, didn't have kids. And he said that he went into education because he wanted to replicate his values <laughs> in other people's children, uh, which I thought was completely honest. Um, and that's kind of what we're talking about here. But you know, with the community schools, the other point I think we have to make is it's not just a question that this is misguided, that it involves data. Why are the unions doing this? I would argue, Jason, one of the reasons they're doing this is this is an opportunity for them to garner more resources, because after all, who's going to be setting the agenda mm -hmm. at these community schools for psychological services, for everything else? Uh, the people that are hired to fill those posts they're probably going to be AFT members, right? I mean, the point is there's institutional building going on, and these organizations, these unions no longer have the interests of teachers at heart. They never, I would argue, had much of the parental or children's interests at heart. It's about their own institutional concerns and advancing their institutional power. And it seems to me to just kind of pivot here a little bit to the other part of parental rage that um, that's kind of on full display with these shutdowns of these schools. I mean, Joe Biden himself says the schools should be open. The CDC says schools should be open. And yet the unions, knowing how destructive this is to children, want to shut them down anyway. 
Yeah, it, uh, Los Angeles is probably the, one of the best examples because there was a time when they said, look, we're not going to open up the schools in Los Angeles uh, until you do criminal justice reform. Now, I, that doesn't have a whole lot to do with, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic and 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 the safety of 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 the uh, the teachers themselves, but this is the kind of thing that they try to do to leverage politics and um, you know, just look at AFT the, with the American Federation of Teachers. Their PAC alone has gone from spending something like $3.7 million in 2008 to now having over $20 million that they're out there trying to affect these elections. And so if they can affect the elections to get the people in government to allocate more money to do more community schools, it just enriches the unions and they become more powerful. And they have, as you said, an agenda that I don't think is conducive to what parents want to see happening in their in their classrooms. And the last thing they want are parents to ask hard questions. That's why you see playing out right now, real time, it's not in this report, but real time, I mean, in the news, they're talking about what was the role of the education secretary in trying to create this facade so that the Department of Justice can go out and essentially intimidate people? So, I mean, it's this is this is some scary stuff, and it is not about our kids; it's about political power. You got the Department of Education potentially participating in the Department of Justice ruling. You've got the teachers' unions potentially participating. In fact, not potentially actively participating in the writing of CDC guidelines for school reopenings. So you're right. We're seeing it's not just an education thing. It's not just a school thing. Schools are becoming about culture and they're able to leverage their political access to the governing entities that then ha- you know are the ones that make those rules. So what happens in the classrooms, unfortunately, I think it used to be backwards, right? It used to be what happens in the world makes its way to the classrooms. Now what's happening in the classrooms, those teachers unions, classrooms, now it's making its way to the rest of society. Yeah, and it, it, it's out there. Look, <clears throat> some of those on the far radical left understood that they needed to go affect school boards, they needed to go affect unions, and they needed to go uh, out there and, and participate and make sure that they get prosecutors that won't prosecute the crimes that they think. And so they went down the food chain, if you will, to a lot of these public races. They were well-funded, and and they they decided to make a political move there to get people engaged and involved and change our communities at a very early age. And the teachers' union is, is right in that mix because we're talking about billions and billions of dollars now that are flowing at their disposal and they are trying their best to just spin it and hide it and make sure that parents don't know about it. But I think this report does a really good job of laying out, um, you know, those changes. Well, let me let me say I'm often accused of being overly optimistic, but uh, and we've been talking about a lot of challenging, scary things. But but in in a way, uh, I'm optimistic, uh, and I want to hear your guys' comments on this briefly before we close, uh, because what we see with this parental revolt is sort of the mask has been ripped off. A lot of parents who I think in the past might have said, well, you know, they're the professionals, they know what they're doing, they have the best interests of 
of our kids at heart. That facade seems to be gone, at least for a sizable portion of the population. So I'm optimistic because it seems like parents are reasserting themselves. They're reminding the educational establishment that they are the boss. They are, quote unquote, the customer uh, when it comes to this uh, situation. And customer is always right. So I think this revolt is an incredibly positive thing. Of course, it's going to be fought. They're going to uh, face all kinds of challenges. But I see that people, for the first time in a long time, are resisting this um, and they're having success. I think the election in Virginia, some of the, uh, uh, the victories they've had in other states. So I'm increasingly optimistic on this front. What 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 do you guys say? Well, I, 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 I'm always optimistic. I, I believe that America figures these things out. It, they have to be exposed. That's why I love doing the oversight type of work. Um, they need to be out there so that parents can make informed decisions. But between the mask mandate and the closure of schools, I think you're right. I think from coast to coast, even in the most liberal areas, people have said, hey, enough is enough. But particularly in middle America, uh, I, I think they are so fed up with trying to have these policies shoved down their throat that there will be some significant changes. Yeah, I don't think it's an accident that the Republican won the governorship of Virginia after Terry McAuliffe said that you know, yep. parents didn't really have a role to play in what gets taught in the classroom. Right. And I think lots of parents say, excuse me, uh, if you're trying to get my kids to draw a picture of Tranny, the gender dysphoric dinosaur, then that's something <laughs> I want to know about. And so I think, you know, that just sort of represents the fact that people are waking up to the idea that there's stuff that's come from culture into the classroom and saying, I don't think this is appropriate. Uh, and so I think the, the more awareness to your point that people have, and I think one of the fun things this report does is kind of connect some dots between political forces and the things that people are seeing in the classroom. This just doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. I think so many times school board meetings, you know, pre-pandemic, no one would, would attend those. No one paid any attention. And so now, as Jason mentioned, mask mandates, questionable things being taught in the classroom. Will schools be open? Now parents are paying attention. Yep. They're engaged. So I think anytime, I mean, the way we're designed as a society, citizen engagement sort of a, supposed to be a feature, not a bug. And when people react against that, I think that's them telling on themselves. Amen. Amen. Well, you've been listening to The Drill Down. I'm Peter Schweitzer, joined, as always, by Eric Eggers. And we've had the special guest, uh, Jason Chaffetz, distinguished fellow at GAI, uh, former chairman of the House Oversight Committee. If you're interested in hearing more of our podcasts and reading the report that we've been discussing about the teachers unions, you can find them at thedrilldown.com.